Uh, as a full day in so many different ways, and as I was, uh, our family celebrated Father's Day yesterday because of, of our children being able to be uh, from various parts of where they normally are and being able to come to our home, and as I was thinking through today, I was thinking there is no way, just like sometimes you put too much food on your plate and, and you think you're going to eat it all, and you go, how am I going to eat it all? You know, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. Uh, that really never happens to me. My stomach just grows to much how much I want on my plate. But, uh, uh, but I was thinking about today that there might be too much if I went through what I'd already planned. So I've changed the message, and I'm not going to be talking about a few words about faith and manhood and fatherhood thrown in for free. Uh, I've changed the, the sermon title to the best sermon ever. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Um, because, you know, I couldn't give you the best sermon ever in terms of deliverance or even in content. Obviously, the Word of God is the source of truth, um, but how it's presented and explained, uh, there are people much better than me who could give the best sermon ever. But I, I'm using it as a title because I'm basically going to give you three points. Uh, two of them I had as, as an introductory to our passage in James that we've been, uh, the series in James we're going through. And in your outline, I have the best passage on manhood and the best passage on fatherhood, so I decided to add another best. And the best is uh, the best plan uh, to have a personal time with God, and uh, we'll look at that in a few moments. But I want to talk a little bit about fatherhood. It's interesting as you, as you experience uh, just seeing how the, the media, media or the, the, the public kind of celebrate this day. I was seeing something on Yahoo News this week in which there was an ad uh, for the perfect father. In fact, they would sell you the perfect father at a, at a discounted price. You could save on the best dad, dad deals for Father's Day. 10,000 dads were available, and they're discounted from $2,200 to $1,650. To if you don't have enough coin, you can get a dad for $700, and if you have a little bit more coin, you can get one for $3,000. Obviously, they were just joking, but, you know, some, some people need a dad because they're not too excited about the dad they were given. Uh, and, and that's part of the challenge of a day like this because you, you, you recognize some people's experience with their earthly fathers are not one which brings them a lot of nostalgic, loving, warm feelings. Uh, other of you have had that experience, but now your father is no longer with you in presence because they've gone on uh, uh, with the Lord or, or maybe they're in a capacity which they are, they're not able to function as they used to be. And so you have mixed emotions on a, on a day like this. Uh, and I don't think you really, the answer to that is go out to, to buy a dad for a day, anywhere from between you know, $2,000 or $700 or $3,000. But it's recognizing no matter where your physical father is today or what kind of physical father you have, you have the best heavenly father that you have the opportunity to know the one who made you, created you, and then sent his son that you could be recreated and born again. And, and so we're, we're going to have that theme kind of wave through the message that we have today is that no matter what kind of emotional experience you have as you come to a day like this, Father's Day, uh, you can focus on the best father, which is the Heavenly Father. The other challenge, too, sometimes is a day like this. You're thinking, well, this is only for men. It's not for women, so why am I showing up? Only the men should show up on Father's Day, and only the ladies should show up on Mother's Day. Uh, and so we're really going to throw in something for everybody this morning. And, and then the other part of it I was thinking, and this is true is also on, a, on a, a day like this, is that you're thinking, well, what if I'm not a father? Uh, and on Mother's Day, what if I am not a mother or I will never be a mother? 
Well, well, really what we want to celebrate on a day like this is not just fathers, but, but men and, and the role of men in, in God's program. Just like we want to celebrate all the women and all the ladies on Mother's Day, that all of you are important. And hopefully you'll, you'll get that on this day. But I came across a few quotes I thought were interesting about fathers. Um, some of these I didn't share in the first service, but Jim Valvano was a, a college coach that won one NC2A championship. He's known for a lot of different things that he said. He was known more uh, about his relational skills than he was even his ability to coach uh, you know, a team because he was marked by one who really loved his players. He, he really loved the people on his team. But even more so was not so much how much he loved them, but how much they loved him. And, and he was just known by being a player's coach and how much he cared for those he, that he led into uh, athletic battle. But he said this about his dad. He said, the greatest gift anyone could give, my dad gave to me. And what my dad gave to me is that he believed in me. And when you think about it, Father, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good um, challenge to live out, that fathers believe in their children. Uh, they know they're not perfect. They know they have challenges. But, but above all else, they believe in them. And in many ways, I want you to understand that your heavenly father, he's calling you to believe or trust in him. But once you become part of his family, he believes in you. And that wherever you are in that spiritual journey, you're going to make it. You're going to make it to the finish line because God is confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it or perfect it until that day Christ returns. And so God believes in you. But here's some other quotes on dads. Uh, to the world, you are a dad. To our family, you are the world. Um, a father is someone you look up to no matter how tall uh, you grow. Uh, to a father growing old... Um, Nothing is dearer than a daughter. Uh, the only thing better than having you for a husband is our children having you for a dad. And then this last one. Any man can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. Now, there's all kinds of things you might get on a Hallmark card, all kinds of things you might uh, hear about describing some poignant parts about that role of being a dad or a, a shepherd of the family or a shepherd of a life and and in case I don't say this later on, the, the Bible often will use spiritual language to talk about our uh, influence in the lives of others in their spiritual journey. We become a spiritual father to people as we bring them to faith, or we become a spiritual father to people as we help them to be nurtured in the faith. In the same way, also, we'll use the, uh, the mother as a role in terms of, of bringing a child to Christ, uh, whether it be Timothy, the mother and the grandmother was the one instrumental in bringing Timothy to the faith and then nurturing him on the faith. So whether you've ever or going to foresee yourself as being a parent, you can take that parent role on relationally with people when you influence them in a way you, you bring them down the right path. But this morning what I want to do is I, I want us to, to look at some best things as it relates to the spiritual journey. Uh, one about what's the best passage for manhood, what's the best passage for fatherhood. But before that, what's the, what's the best plan to connect personally with God? And, and it's, I think it's kind of providential that we had the Gideons uh, come on Father's Day. And, and I have to kind of somewhat admit I kind of forgot which day was Father's Day. And I'm, I appreciate you guys coming on Father's Day, which is probably not the easiest day to come on. But we're, we're going we're gonna to kind of 
switch, turn, switch ways in which I was going to direct this passage because we're starting a new um, season, the summer uh, season, and we don't have life groups going. We have questions after every uh, message, and you're supposed to do the homework and meet in groups and talk about what you've studied. And, and our staff said, well, let's keep giving questions out, so we're going to keep adding questions after every message, but you don't necessarily meet in groups to talk about them. But one of the things we started a few years ago is we, we started a sheet that we put in your, in your Bible, every, uh, your, your bulletin every week, and it's uh, PT with God, our personal time with God. And it's just a method to, to help you connect with God on a regular basis, in a regular way uh, with, with Him. But what's the best way? There's all kinds of Bible reading, Bible study programs. Some of you have a, a pattern of reading uh, devotionals, Bible devotionals. But, but what I want to urge you to consider is that the best plan uh, to connect with God in a personal way, some people call them quiet times, is the plan that you use. Because many conversations I've had with people in various settings and various ages and generations and genders, and, and if I ask them, about, well, describe to me how you get in God's Word. Describe me your, your pattern of, of just getting things from, from God. And often I, I get silence, and they say, well, you know, I, I, you know I, I don't have a regular plan. And you know what that means? I don't have a plan. Or the plan is, you know, sometimes when the Bible's near me, I kind of do the thumb through, put my finger down, and what passage did I hit plan. And I, I would call that a no plan. And what God wants us to do, He wants us to, to grow spiritually. He wants us to nurture our relationship. Uh, I hope uh, many of you can set aside Wednesday nights uh, starting in July about what God is doing around the world. But, but even as we've heard from the Gideons today, I mean, they're in 200 countries, I think there's only 194, 197, but they got some territories mixed in there as well, is that they're going everywhere. But there are parts in the world that, that people still need the Bible translated in their language. And the, probably the, the people group that are not being engaged as, as personally as, as God's desire for them to be able to easily receive God's word are, are the deaf populace, not only nationally but internationally. The, the, there is no deaf Bible. And, and so they, 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 can't, they can't hear it by audio, and, um, and, and so they have to be signed, and, and, and there's so much still to be done. And we in America, we take this book so for granted. We got many translations of this book. But the issue is, how much time are we spending with God? You know, I, I hate to admit this because I, I, I try to focus on names, but uh, Paul had met and Jonathan, I think we've met before. But, but as soon as I got up here, I was going to introduce him to come up. And, you know, it's harder to introduce somebody when you forget their name, right? <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to hide it. I go, I'm not hiding this very well. And it, it just left me. And some of us, our, our greatest desire was, I just wish God would speak to me. I, I want to hear an audible voice from heaven, and I, I want God to speak directly to me. And, and that would be a pretty ecstatic experience and probably a, a thing we wouldn't necessarily easily forget, forget as easily as I forgot Jonathan, and it was only about 10 minutes before that I heard his name or remi was, re was reminded his name. But, but let's be honest. If God said more than just a few things to us, we know we would forget it. And that's why God wrote it down. And, and so as we think of the spiritual journey, 
The best plan to connect personally with God, have personal time with God, is, is, is get a plan that you're going to use. And I just want to share a couple things with you, very simply. The way to, to spend time with God is to systematically go through this book, which means if, if, if you don't have the destination for you tomorrow where you're going to read, you probably don't have a plan. And then if you do have a plan where you're going to read, if you don't have a way to get something out of it, then again, I would say your plan, it's good that you have one, but it's, it's a little deficient. If we were in a small room setting here, I'd say, well, how many of you have ever had the experience you read the Bible, and after you read it, you didn't remember what? Anything you read. Because you started reading, your mind began to wander, and then, you know, you, you, you sometimes, sometimes we can have the idea, you know, chapter a day keeps the devil away, and I read it, but that's it. The difference between reading and getting something out of it is think when you read. And to force you to think what you read is have a paper and pen or pencil in hand when you do it. Now, the, the simplest thing to do would be, you know, read a half a chapter, a chapter a day with a piece of paper, and you simply ask yourself this question. When I, when I read this, I want to at least highlight one verse out of the passage I'm reading. And then to force you to think about it, I'm going to write that verse out, whatever translation I'm going to use, I'm going to write it out word for word. And after you write it word for word, and the reason you do that, it makes you, again, focus a little bit longer on the text. And then I'm going to ask myself, okay, God, what is it you want me to know, feel, or do in relationship to this passage? And write it down. And then the next day, you start off where you left off, you read the section, you look for a key verse, write out that verse, and ask yourself, God, now, as a relationship to that verse, what do you want me to know, feel, or do? And see, then all you need to have in your Bible to have a personal time with God is a piece of paper and something to write with and have it in a place where you can get to the Bible and then do it. And again, this becomes a habit. When you, sometimes the worst times to spend personal time with God is when you've got more time than you normally have, like you're on vacation. And you go, you know, I didn't even pack my Bible. And if you're not in a hotel, you know, if you're like our family, we went in tents, and I was kidding Jonathan Paul. You know, one ministry the Gideons don't have, I was saying this because I, I just, that's, I've never had that experience. They don't put Bibles in people's campground tents when you're not in there. So you've got to pack it. But let me give you a, another way uh, to do that is um, take some of the things that we, have, we put in there regularly is have, a, have questions you ask of the text. Now, you can go to a, a source that has ask questions for you, or you can have some God-given, not God-given, or, or just a specific question you could ask of any passage. Now, how many of you are challenged visually? You have to put something on to, or put some in to, to, to be able to read a book. You know, you have, you, there's some eye issues, okay? Well, when you read the Bible, you need to put your specs on. You're not going to be able to read the text. And, and here, here is, it's in your, if you, have your, if you have your personal time with God, it's in your bulletin, just pull that out. Just go ahead and pull that out. This is, this is a to-do uh, uh, lesson here, okay? Some, I was sharing the first service that often what preacher types like me do, we tell you what to do, but we don't tell you how to do it, right? Well, I'm going to try to tell you how you can get God's Word into you on just on a personal, simple level. And on Monday, I, I wrote it out, okay? Put on your specs and look for a sin to forsake, a P, promise to claim, an E, example to follow, 
seek, command, obey, and then what I shared already, something to know, feel, or do in relation to that passage. Now, here, not in writing out the verse, you're just looking in that text and say, is there something God said, stop? Write that down. Is there something God said, start? That's a commandment to do. Is there something God says, look it, I'm not asking you to do anything. I just want you to know how faithful I'm going to be for you. This is a promise to claim. You know, when God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, that's not anything you need to do. That's something God's going to do. And you just habitually spend a moment every day doing something like that on a passage. Does that make sense? So this is, this is a doable homework assignment. Now, if you've got another plan you're using, that's fine. But if you don't have a regular time with God's Word, here's a plan. Take your specs and examine a passage and go through it. We're going to be going through the, uh, the book of Joshua, kind of a half chapter at a time, and you could, you could use this every, every day, um, or at least the five days that we're kind of promoting uh, in terms of your prayer time, now, your, your Bible study time. Now, there are two parts of having a personal time with God. One is... Getting God's word. That's God speaking to you. The other is you speaking to God. Well, God wants us to pray. Well, how do we pray? If you never ask that question, then then you see yourself as better than the disciples that Jesus had. Because they had prayed all their life. They were a very religious group of people. The Jews were very religious. But they saw Jesus pray, and they said, there's something about his prayers that are different than my prayers. And I'm sure they had some of the same habits that we do. Sometimes we just say the same words over and over and over and over and over again. Kind of vain repetition. And Jesus talked about that. Or, or maybe all their prayers were for, for themselves. And, and, and that's, that's not how God wants us to see our relationship with him. So he gave them a model prayer. Remember that? It's called the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer. And, and from that, we're not supposed to simply recite it. We're supposed to understand the principles in it. Let's see if you can pick out my acronym on this. He says, Our Father who art in heaven. I thought it was Harold. Harold be your name. No, no. Hallowed be your name. And and Hallowed simply means, God, your name is holy. Your, your, Your name is so much beyond anybody else's name. You are almighty God. and Help me never forget who I'm talking to. And that's why we praise him. It, it, It doesn't change God, but it changes us when we realize that we're speaking to the creator of this universe. We're speaking to the one who sent his son to die for us. We're speaking to the one who can hear everyone's prayer at the same time. And so he invites us when we, when we pray to begin with praise. But then he tells us what we ought to request. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it sounds to me that that's something we ought to request God from. We say, God, God I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. We ought to request that of God on a daily basis. And what will that look like? That will look like as we respond to how life is happening, we're going to respond to it totally different than our culture does. You know, in in November, there's going to be election. And, you know, there are people on both sides of the aisle. There are people who are much more involved than other people involved. But let me just tell you, if you are overly anxious about what's going to happen in November, then you're more concerned about this world's kingdom than the kingdom that is to come. We ought to be God's kingdom. We're we're looking for God's rule. Our confidence is in Him and not in any politician. Now, we ought to be involved. we We ought to vote. We ought to whatever it might be. But we're looking for the kingdom to come, not the king that's here, right? And the only way that'll happen is if you pray that, thy kingdom come. 
and thy will be done. And, and thy will be done, particularly in our own lives, right? We, we ought to be saying, God, what is it today you want me to be? What is it today you want me to do? Who are the people you want me to be concerned about? Who are the people uh, or ways I can serve others or, or show acts of kindness or, or be obedient to your word in very specific areas? Who do I need? All that. I want your will to be done. So prayer is about praising, requesting God's kingdom to God, thy will to be done. And then he goes and says, uh, and give us this day our daily what? Bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Some have trespasses, and that's a whole other subject. But the, the issue here is that, is that we need to be asking God for those things that are physical in nature and spiritual in nature. Daily bread, what are the needs in my life and other people's lives that I want to be praying for on behalf of? But what are the spiritual things that are happening? And then that last request, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, which is in many ways kind of a bizarre, bizarre request, right? Because God is not going to lead us into temptation. So what must he mean by that? He must mean that, God, I don't want you to lead me anywhere that I would not be able to handle the challenges of, of being obedient to you. And so I want to yield myself to the leading of your spirit in my life so I might be exactly where you want me to be. And so that ought to be involved in our prayers. And that's, that's again, a discipline. It's a plan for us to live out. And then I think also we ought to be praying for a variety of things. We ought to be, if we're, I think we all know we ought to be praying for missionaries, but how often do we do it? Well, every Monday, pray for missionaries. begins with them. That's a good reminder. We ought to be praying for the people in our life that, that don't know the Lord. That we ought to be praying on Tuesday, the people in our oikos. We ought to be, people in the, be praying for people in wherever they live, in the workforce. If they're at school, we ought to pray for the people in the workforce. We ought to be praying for the government leaders Thursdays. Friday, we ought to be praying for family and friends. That's just a way to put a plan to your prayer life. So that it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a plan you're going to use. And it becomes a part of who you are. So number one, the best sermon ever, what's, what's the best plan for personal time with God? It, it's the plan you're going to use, and the plan that you're going to use, hopefully it's, it, it, it's a plan that will work. Work the plan and have the plan work, and you'll grow closer to God. And, and God tells us that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 3.18. Well, real quickly, in the time I don't have left, all right? The, the, the best plan to develop personal time with God is to, is to get in God's Word personally. Go right to the text. Secondly, what, what's, the, what's the best passage for manhood? Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 16, and uh, it's in your outline, but 1 Corinthians 16, uh, I'm not going to be able to say much more than just read it. But this is, this is so straightforward in terms of how we're supposed to live out this Christian life. He says, he says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you, be done, you do be done in love. Uh, man, I, I, I challenge you all to memorize this passage. Uh, it, in the New American Standard, it says, act like men. I think a lot of other translations says, be mature, which is still the same idea here. But if, if you're going to be the man God wants you to be, well, first of all, it begins with getting up the right way. Be awake. That's really what that word means. Be on the alert. Be ready for what you're going to face. I was sharing the first service is that, you know, this is, very, this is a very athletic 
or sports-minded weekend. You got the U.S. Open being played. You got the NBA championships going on. You have the European soccer stuff going on. I mean, there's all kinds of sporting events that people are just going crazy about. And, and you know, the 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 individuals are going to win, and the the teams that are win are, are the 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 teams that are ready to win. It's it's the golfers that are ready to win. The, they, they are alert to what may or may not happen on the course or on the in the stadium or whatever it might be. They're alert to all the factors that would contribute to them being successful or falling to defeat. But if that's true in an athletic event, how much more is it true in a spiritual event? Are we, are we alert to what God has for us this day? And, and then he says, and then stand firm in the faith. Is there a foundation laid where, where you know you're on the rock, you're not on the sand? You, you've decided what you believe you there's some convictions in your life that no one can move you from you know sometimes when i have people that are uh, involved in baptism and they, they want to make that step and the last one can i talk you out of this is there any way i can talk you out of being baptized i mean you really want to get in this thing and get wet and kind of be everybody's going to be looking at you is there any way i could because if i can talk you out of making a step for christ then then you're not ready for the next step he says stand firm in the faith lay that foundation down and he says, act like men. That's why I like this as a passage for manhood. I mean, God, God wants people to grow up. And oftentimes you say, you know, I, I wanted to give you real food, but I couldn't give you real food because you couldn't handle the, the milk I was giving you. Well, let's move on. And, and then sometimes I, say, I, want you, I don't want you to be childish or immature about what I'm trying to do here. You got to be wise. And so there's a place that we want to be mature. Other times God says, be like a child. Other says, don't be like a child. Act like men. Be mature. Be strong. And, and God wants us to be healthy physically, but even more so, he wants us to be healthy spiritually. Bodily discipline does profit a little bit, but godliness means a great gain. How much energy are we putting into this? Let all that you do be done in love. And that just kind of surrounds everything. If it, all of it is, is is doing these things that, that impress other people, then we missed it. It's all to be surrounded and immersed in love so people are attracted to, to living the life that we're called to live. So what, what's the best, best passage on manhood? It, I would submit it's this one. And it's true for everyone, really. This is, this is not gender-specific. And that's why many of the translations don't even say act like men. They say be mature. This is God's plan for all of us. Are you alert for what's going to happen the rest of this day or tomorrow? Is your foundation strong? Who can move you off your faith? Are, are you going to be mature or are you going to be childish? You know, you know how, many t- how many times you know, people will leave churches or leave things they're doing because someone criticized them? You're thinking, really? Really? So, so someone criticized you and you're going to take that and you're going to quit because someone criticized you? That's pretty, what? Childish. Can you imagine some, I, well, I won't go off on that. But, you know, God wants us to grow up. That's what manhood is about. That's, that's what it really means to, to be a, a, a fully devoted follower of Christ. And then finally, we really don't have any time, but What's the best passage, I think, on fatherhood? Look at Ephesians 6.4. Paul, in this whole section on every role you could imagine, every 
uh, stage of life and status of life. He, he says this and he speaks to parents, uh, particularly fathers, though this could be translated either way. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, you know being, a, being a father has its challenges. And if we were, again, just sharing back and forth, we, we, we probably all who have been a you know, the role of raising children for any length of time could share all, as many uh, of the defeats as well as the victories in terms of trying to be what God wants us to be. But w- we know that we can derail everything we're trying to accomplish in raising up a child if, if, if that relationship is broken. And, and we're responsible for that brokenness. Because we've done things or said things that have just ruined the relationship. We've provoked them to a, a deep-seated anger. Not, not the thing that kind of just simmers and then dies down, but that, that just remains. And, and men, if, if you have that kind of a broken relationship with, with anyone in your family, you might, it, it might not even been caused by you, but whatever you can do, mend it. And it might be simply saying, hey, look, I, I, I'm sorry. Just, just forgive me for, for doing those things that have just broken our relationship. I didn't share this the first service. I keep saying that. But, you know, in, in the Roman Empire, they had a thing called patria potestas, which basically means father power. The, the father in the home, they, he, he could do whatever he wants. If, and we see some nations like this where they put limits on how many children you can have and what kind of genders you can have. But when, when a a life was born into the family, he could look at that life and said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want that child. I think it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to raise that to be too weak. It's not going to be what I want to represent our family. And he could put that child on the street. Can you, can you imagine how that child would, would grow up to, to struggle about its own identity when the one that was instrumental with the mother to bring it to life, just discarded it. And when we, when we, when we discard our children because we don't invest time in them or love in them or, or willingness to confess our weaknesses to them, it's like just putting them on the street. Fathers, do not exasperate your children to anger. But be active. And he says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And the instruction is the verbal part of parenthood. The discipline is the nonverbal. The, the verbal part is we need to point them to the truth. And the best way to point them to the truth, if you want them to have a heart for the Word of God, man, then you need to have a heart for the Word of God. And, and if, if, if you want them to live out what they study in the Word of God, then you need to hold yourself accountable to living it out. Having someone in your life coming close to you as iron sharper than iron so one man ought to sharpen another man's life. Because part of parenting is, is not only pointing the right direction, but doing whatever you can to make sure that direction is, is being followed. God, God wants us to, to do that which is best in life. In, in many ways, you could say what, what will cause us all to be derailed is we, we settle for that which is good and not that which is best. And part of that is, is just making the most clear things in the Word of God being put into practice. 
I think we would all say we need to have meaningful personal times with God. But what are we doing to develop a plan to make that happen? Or on a, just a daily basis, we, we come to God's word and, and meet with him and say, God, I want to I wanna read. You, you, you don't have to speak. You've already spoken. I just want to go back to what you've already said. And I want to think about what you've said. And here's how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to meet with you on a daily basis. And then as I think, well, what does it mean to be a mature person? What does it mean to really be a fully devoted follower of Christ, to be a real man or a real woman of God? It starts by being, being alert. And then it's having a firm foundation. And then being, being, being mature, being like a man who, who, who stands for something. Being strong spiritually, not just physically. And then realize that it's got to all be done in love. That's, that's what a fully devoted follower of Christ is. That's what a man of God is. That's what a woman of God is. And, and the role of influence in another person, whether it's your own child or some other person you, you want to make an impact on, <laughs> don't push their buttons. Man, I, I'm an expert at that. I, I could tell you story after story. In fact, in some ways, I, I find it fascinating to find out what people get irritated about. And I like to push that button, all right? Um, and some I do it for fun, but sometimes I just, because I'm a little devilish at times. And if you don't repair that, you know, it changes that relationship. And then you say, I want to know the right path, that's instruction in the truth, and then I want to live that, and then I want to help other people live it. That, that's what it means to be a father or a mother or, or a person who just helps others be what they ought to be. So hopefully this message, which wasn't how it was planned to be until last night, that, that we, we understand that the God's, God's word is clear and it's simple, but the, but, but the best way to live it out is to, to be intentional. And by his grace and by his spirit, say, God, just, just take my efforts and, and use it to make me be the kind of person you want me to be for your glory, for the intention of others to see you, and for the positive impact in the lives of others. Let's pray. Father, we all fall short of even the simplest things that we could do to become more what you want us to be. And Father, the only reason we can become more than we are today is because you've done everything that needs to be done so that we can become more than we are today. And Father, we thank you that you accept us as we are, but you don't leave us like we are. And Father, I would pray on this day in which we celebrated the word of God and celebrated it being dispersed in every nation and territory in the world, that we might not just glory in it being dispersed, but that we might glory also in it being immersed in our lives as well. Help us to live it out in such a way that we grow closer to you and draw other people to be closer to you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing this morning. And if you'd like to